at the elders meeting on Sunday, uh, or sorry, on Tuesday, because Ola uh, turned up on Sunday with a sense of, of, of which was confirmed through people praying over you, wasn't it, Ola? Don't worry about the notes. God's got, God wants to say to the press. And, but then also, Ilona brought a word afterwards that talked about being prepared you know, coming with your best. And um, and we were talking as elders on Tuesday night about that tension. I'm partly wasting time while I try to get my laptop on. But um, <laughs> this is all this genuine conversation that we actually had. <laughs> and, um, and I had an interesting one because um, I also had a week where I prepared a sermon. My sermon is prepared. I have notes here that I'm going to use. Um, but I, I finished the sermon that I'm going to share last night. And I wrote all my notes on the board. You know, I wrote my outline of the sermon on the board. In that, um, and I thought I'd better rub that off before the prayer meeting this morning. Otherwise, everyone will know what I'm going to share before I do. This just does not turn on. What were you saying about preaching for your notes? <laughs> I can still remember them. I am going to preach the sermon I've, I've prepared, but there is the reason is because there have been things happening this week in the world around us that I have known as I've been preparing and praying that relates to what I'm going to say, but I don't want to speak on it on Sunday. So I'm thinking specifically about the potential overturning of Roe versus Wade in the US. I don't want to talk about that. I don't know if anyone in this room has had an abortion. I don't know how painful a decision it would have been to come to that they have. I don't know if it haunts them now. I don't want to talk to that, yet it's a justice issue as well. As I wiped my notes off of the board this morning and wondered, God, is, do you want me to say something different? I quickly had a scan at the latest UK statistics on abortion, which were for the year 2020. 2020, 210,000 abortions in the UK. 
highest number ever compared to 2019, previous highest year ever compared to 2018, the previous highest year ever compared to 2017 and 2016. And that's been the general trend ever since abortion was legalized in the UK. Of the 210,000 abortions that took place in the UK, 97% of those were, there are various reasons, A to G. 97% of those were reason C. Reason C is uh, pregnancy hasn't reached 24 weeks and to continue with the pregnancy would be a major risk to the physical or mental health of the mother. In Croydon, sorry, before I get to that statistic, the vast majority of those 97% of abortions that have happened in the UK have been because of the risk to the mental health of the mother. I don't want to say this because I don't want to sound as if I'm judging that. I'm not. I can't imagine how hard it is facing a pregnancy that wasn't planned to know what to do. My heart, I hope, is full of compassion and not of judgment. And yet, those are 210,000 lives that were ended in 2020 that perhaps needed help. I was at a meeting on Wednesday with a bunch of other church leaders in Croydon. This didn't seem significant to me at the time until, as I say, this morning when I thought, I'm still trying to turn this laptop on. Probably is now. It was on 60% when I turned it off before the service this morning, but it's now four years old and laptops don't last very long, do they? The charger is in the office um, on Andrew's desk in a I was at a meeting of church leaders in Croydon, and uh, one of the church leaders who was in Croydon commented to me uh, how, how Jubilee was known as a church in Croydon that fosters and adopts and and that's, in, in, in people's minds, that is a view they have of us. Now, I know that isn't as much the case these days as it has been, um, but we are a church who, thank you so much, Ben. Yeah, it's like, yeah let's go over there, let's try it over here. In, Do it in, yeah, thank you. That's Bill, yeah, one of the ones on stage, if, if they're What's closer. That? Oh, yeah, that one there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I thought that's amazing because that's lovely, and and, and I feel that that's lovely. That's not. This is really heart-wrenching stuff, isn't it? We can't talk about abortion if we're not willing to be part of the solution. Green Jubilee Church has been part of the solution for years. You know, to women who, thank you, they don't know how to respond to. This situation they find themselves in, a 
hey, we'll help. We'll help. We'll foster. We'll adopt. You know, I think I heard Luca praying this morning. God wants people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. In James, we read that pure religion that the Father approves of is to look after the widows and the orphans. We've done that. We can say that in the past we've been a part of the solution. I wonder if we will continue to be able to say that going forward. I also, also woke up this morning, forgive me, I, I, I'm ranting a bit now, or rambling a bit, I'm not ranting, am I, hopefully, I'm rambling a bit now. <laughs> I woke up this morning to a series of messages uh, between Joseph and Natalie Bowers, Joseph Lebiaco, who leads the church at Forest Hill, a good friend of ours, and Natalie Bowers, talking about the results of the elections in Northern Ireland, uh, talking about some situations happening in schools in Croydon, where a secular, liberal agenda is being forced upon uh, Christian schools in Croydon. Um, I've even heard that that might be happening in uh, Archbishop Tennyson's school where a number of our young people go and actually a number of our members teach. And, and it's a difficult place to be a Christian these days. It's a difficult place to be a Christian these days. And, and this passage that I'm going to speak on, I think has got some encouragement for us in this. Before I, um, before I get to the main points of today's passage, I just want to take a, 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 a few minutes to just talk about what we mean when we say the church, because the passage I'm preaching on is the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the highest of the mountains and will be raised up over the hills. We're promising this. The, the, the mountain of the house of the Lord is going to be established as the highest of the mountains. We don't feel that. The house of the Lord is us. So as, as I read the passage in a moment, it's us I'm talking about. It's the church that I'm talking about. And when we talk about the church, we uh, should think two things. We should think the uh, universal church, the global church, the ch and that's the church, not just of believers who are alive today, that's every single person who has ever put their trust in God. Every single person now and throughout history, that is the universal church. And we've got the local church. Local churches are bodies of believers like us. And we are local. You know, we all live within a travelable distance in order to be here. You wouldn't be here if you weren't. We're local, we're physical, we actually come together physically. We are relational, we actually have relationships with one another. And thirdly, and, and importantly, and this relates to the passage that I'm going to read in a moment, we are, as local churches, a prophetic witness to the world around us. Our existence, just the fact that we're here, speaks of the fact that God is alive, speaks of the fact that the claims of Christianity are true. And so just by being here, you might think this is an insignificant act coming together on a Sunday morning. There is something prophetic about us just being together in a place, for a place. It matters.
Yeah. Okay, I'm going to skip a bit. Let's read Isaiah 2, verses 1 to 5. Who will read in Christmas when I do this? I very rarely read the physical Bible during the week. I'm always on my Kindle, but here I am. We must have reverence for the Word of God, so I have a leather bound, ESV, well worn, well loved. Here we go. <laughs> It shall, oh sorry, the word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it and many people shall come and say, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall decide disputes for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. I love that passage, I love the promise of it. It speaks of the new covenant as being eternal and for everyone. So the new covenant is eternal and it is for everyone. And point one then, Isaiah 2 verses 1 to 5 tells us that the new covenant is eternal. Isaiah was, was prophesying to the people of Israel in a difficult time, a time where they were unfaithful to God and they were soon to be taken into exile as a result of their unfaithfulness. And it's, it's into that that Isaiah brings this prophetic word. It shall come to pass. The mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted above the hills. When God says something will happen, it isn't like me saying I'll clean the kitchen and an hour later it's still not clean. When God says he's going to do something, he does it. It's going to happen. Yeah, he's not a man that we can change his mind, he's not a son of man that we can like. It's going to happen. In fact, it has happened. The mountain of the house of the Lord has been established as the highest of the mountains. In Philippians 2, verses 9 to 11, we read this. Well, we don't read this. Because Jesus took a bullet for us, we read this. God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every man. So that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So it is done. It is finished. Sin and death have been defeated. The mountain of the house of the Lord has been established as the highest of all the mountains. And yet, like the people of Israel then, we still don't see it, do we? 
I love I love walking in the mountains. I've walked in snow Bonia more than I've walked anywhere else. And there are many times when you can see Snowdon, and you can see that it's the highest mountain in the range. So it's only by a few meters, but, but you can see it's the highest. And there are other times when it's obscured behind other mountains and it really doesn't seem as though it is the highest. Whether you can see it or whether it's obscured, it is the highest mountain in the Snowdonian mountain range. The mountain of the house of the Lord has been established above the others. And so as we look to America, I do pray for them. I would say I don't want to bring I don't want to bring condemnation on, on anyone if they have felt they have had to have an abortion in the past. That, that isn't what I want to do at all. But I want to be able to say, hey, this is a justice which we take. This is a justice which we take. And and so I want to pray for them. I think it would be an answer to prayer in Roe versus Wade is overturned. I think it would be a victory for democracy. I think it would be a victory for the unborn. My second point is this. The new covenant is for everyone. For everyone. And this wouldn't have been apparent necessarily if you weren't paying attention if you read through the Bible. But if we start in Genesis and God calls Abraham and he says, you will be the father of many nations. Abraham, you will be the father of many nations. That's the first book of the Bible in Genesis. Revelation, John's vision, he saw a people ransomed for God from every people and tribe and nation and language. When God began the journey that we take part in today, he began with a single ethnic group. He began with ethnic Jews. And now, by a Gentile Londoner stand in front of you, declaring the word of God to you, a bunch of Gentile people from all over the world, from different walks of life. It's wonderful. That's how it was always going to be. That's how it was always going to be. And Isaiah says that the nations will stream to it. And the thing that I love about this is that, that there is a joy in the people who are streaming to the mountain of the house of the Lord. There is something attractive about us living as a prophetic witness that says to the people around us, if we're doing it faithfully, the way they live is so good. That God that they worship is so good. I see the wisdom in the way they walk. I see that it isn't just about Sunday. I see that it isn't just about words and not deeds. When they walk faithfully, they're attractive. They, they show, they demonstrate how wonderful God is. I'm glad Sarah's not here today because I'm going to sing her out. Um, and we really must pray for more salvation in the church so that Sarah can get a week off because she is getting a week off today. But listen to this. Sarah, Sarah didn't walk off the street. 
come into Alpha, having brought her. You know, so that there is still, even as I talk about people coming to us, there is still a need for us to go to them, to share good news with them. Having brought Sarah into a place where she could encounter the good news of the Christian faith. And three weeks into a 12-week course, I don't know whether it was because of what she heard or because of what she saw, but three weeks into a 12-week course, she'd seen enough, she'd heard enough. I want to follow this Jesus who died to tell me about that. And she became a Christian. Isn't that the story for so many of us? If I could paraphrase a couple of the words from today's passage, the word of the Lord comes out of local churches. It is to local churches that people shrink. How can they come to us if they don't know where we are? How can they come to us if we're not a people? How can they come to us if we're just scattered around the place? They come to local churches. They come to to families of believers, to communities of believers. And the internet is changing that. I do have to say this. The internet is changing that, and not for the better. The internet is legitimizing and facilitating a substandard, unbiblical form of discipleship that isn't built on relationships, that isn't built on loving relationships and accountability. True encounter with God and true discipleship will always lead to committed fellowship with other believers. Always. Sickness might keep people away, but that's the exception, not the rule. I've been a member of three local churches in my lifetime. I've loved every single one of them. I haven't agreed with everything I've heard. I haven't loved everything I've seen. But I've been a part of and loved three local churches in my life. There isn't a single place in the New Testament where being a follower of Jesus doesn't include being a member of a fellowship like this one. It doesn't have to be this one. I've been a member of three. But there isn't a single place in the New Testament where being a follower of Jesus doesn't involve being a member of a community like this. Perhaps the closest you get is Epaphras. Epaphras, uh, we believe, became a believer in Jesus when Paul was on one of his missionary journeys. And he was from Colossae. He wasn't in Colossae when he became a Christian, but he was from Colossae. And so what's he going to do? He has to go home. But he's the only believer in Colossae now. He's come to faith on a missionary journey. But we see in the New Testament that, that Epaphras obviously took the good news back to Colossae with him. People came to faith through him, through his testimony. We see a church established. We don't see, uh, we don't see Epaphras doing his own thing. We see a church established, so much so that a letter is written to the church in Colossae. They're distinct. They're distinguishable. A letter can be written to them because they are who they are. It's, it's important that we say that because, because as I say, we are a prophetic witness. A big part of what we do is a prophetic witness. 
not just about us, it's not just about how we worship, what's the sermon like. Our fellowship is a prophetic witness. It's not that worship or preaching isn't important, but we're committed to one another. And the quality of the love and the activity between us is what speaks of how good God is. It's one of the reasons that I love what we've done with Gula and Forestdale and New Life in seeing Pastoral Hill Church planted in New Addington. There, there are two council wards in New Addington, New Addington North and New Addington South, and, and Forest Hill Bay is in New Addington South. No, New Addington North. Look at the Abbey, we've been to New Addington, I guess you might know. Castle Hill Church, or Walter Chapel, that is on Dunley Drive, is in one of those two wards. And the ward that it is in, there was previously only one other church in, and that's the Good Shepherd Roman Catholic Church. 10,000 people live in that ward. There are now two churches serving 10,000 people in New Addington. They need to physically be there. It is so exciting that three churches across Croydon have gone, we want to see this happen. The church being there matters. It really matters. The gospel is for everyone. I want our church to reflect this more and more. I realise I'm, I'm going on a bit. I really want to take communion. I've told you I'm praying into, and I'm calling you to pray into with me, two prophetic words that have been spoken over Croydon Jubilee Church. One is that we will be in a Dulles cave where the depressed, the indebted, and the discouraged can come to find hope and healing. And you see that today in passage where the nations scream to it because they're so excited to, to hear and see uh, about the Lord's way and to walk in the Lord's way. If we go there, we'll learn how to live like these people. We'll learn how to, now for them that they're following the Lord, we, we're talking about come and know Jesus. Come and be made more like him. I love that. We're seeing that among us. The second is that we will be a multicoloured baby. Now that was the language used 20 years ago when this prophetic word was brought to us. And I understand that that language is outdated. So let me put it in today's language. God is making us a family of multi-ethnic, multi-socio-economic people and where every barrier that might stand in front of us enjoying relationship with one another is dealt with, or at the very least made much lower so that we can actually get over them to be in relationship with one another. The world is failing at this. The world is failing at this, and our existence is a prophetic witness. I really want us to grow in that more and more. Deep relationships, crossing class divides, crossing ethnic divides. I really want to see that more and more. I think we're seeing it among us. I hope you don't mind me saying this, but we had a visitor a few weeks ago came to witness uh, Michael's baptism. They used to be a member of this church, and I met up with them afterwards for a coffee uh, the next week, and they commented, and they met this in a very complimentary way, they commented, you are much more diverse than when I used to be here. I gave thanks. Thank you, God. That's amazing to hear. So pleased that that is noticeable. This is, this is the people that God has ransomed. Every tribe and nation and people and 
But it's a challenge to us, isn't it? It's a challenge to us because we superimpose on faithful discipleship cultural preferences. And we say that being a Christian means this. That might be what being a Christian means to a white middle class person. That isn't necessarily what being a Christian means to someone else. And so how do we grow in discerning what what is what is wisdom and faithfulness to God and what is personal preferences? And how do we stop our personal preferences from being something that will come between us? I um, we I I hope you don't mind, we are gonna run over today. You don't have to stay and take communion, but I wanna share uh, I want to share something with you before I finish. I'm so passionate about us experiencing this. I think it's going to be good for us. I think it's going to be good for us because it's God's plan for us. And I think that walking in God's plan is always the best thing for us. So I don't want to be a part of a church that is majority white or majority black or majority Asian. I want to be part of a multi I want to be part of a church where there really are rich and poor worshipping alongside one another. I think that will be the best thing for us. I think that we will go, God, your plan is good. This is good for me. I'm so edified by this multi-ethnic, multi-socio-economic church that you're making around me. I was at another meeting on Thursday, forgive me, the life of a church leader can sometimes just be full of meetings. I was in a meeting on Thursday of a bunch of regions beyond church leaders, that's the family churches that we're a part of, and a guy called Fusi Mokwena from South Africa, um, who leads a church in Dubai, was with us. He's one of the apostolic figures of regions beyond. And he was prophesying over me and over Croydon. And I did record it, I'm not going to share it all now. I'm learning to be a little bit slower in... Uh, trusting prophetic words openly to other people before I've had a chance to wade in properly myself. But, he prophesied over me, and as he was prophesying over me, he called me to remember my history with Croydon. And so I just want to share that with you again today, because I don't know why, but I want, I, I want you to know that I really want this for us. You know, if, if there is any significance to me being your church leader, I want you to know that this is really important to me. And so as he called me to remember my history with Croydon, I remembered the first time Croydon came onto my radar as an adult, when in 2011 the riots were happening, I stayed up into the early hours of the morning, like I can't remember what time, early hours of the morning, literally two nights in a row, just praying for Croydon. God, they need Jesus. And I'm, and I'm debating with my atheist brother on Facebook, He's going, no, they need youth clubs. Yeah, no, I know that, but no, they need Jesus. You know, they need this. No, they need Jesus. They really need Jesus. That was the first time Croydon came on my radar as an adult. The next time Croydon came on my radar was a few years later when I had to come to Croydon to go to Croydon, is it Magistrates Court, to declare bankruptcy. Some mistakes in my early marriage got me into a difficult financial situation. I came to Croydon to, to declare bankruptcy. That was my second trip to Croydon. My third trip to Croydon was when, having been called to come and start a new church in Croydon, I, I needed a job in Croydon. If you're going to 
building an apartment, a new church in Croydon. I need to live there, I need to work there. So I came to Croydon to, to get a job interview. And my job interview was at a school in New Addington. I, I barely knew Croydon. I've never even heard of New Addington. And I remember getting the train to New Addington. And, and on my tram journey, I'm going, I'm going down Gravel Hill and along the Kent Gateway. And in my daily Bible reading, I'm reading Numbers 14, the spies going into the promised land. And, uh, 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 and you know, no, the, the fruit is amazing. The fruit is amazing. Yeah, there are giants, but the fruit is amazing. And as I got the tram now going up Lodge Hill, I can remember exactly where I was going up Lodge Lane. I'm going to give New Addington to the church. And I went, and I remember getting off the tram at the top, well, on the last stop, walking through New Addington, thinking, there are giants here, but felt again, no, the fruit is going to be amazing. And now I see that four years later, a church has been planted there. We've been a part of that. I'm excited. I, I, I don't want you to have any confidence in me, except I do. I want you to be confident in God. But I want you to know that there is so much that God has laid on my heart that is unfulfilled. There are so many dreams that God has given me for Croydon that have not been fulfilled. I know he's going to do it. It might not be in my lifetime. I might not see it, but it's going to happen. It might not look as though the mountain of the house of the Lord has been established as the highest of the mountains, but it has been and it will be and we will see it. And God's plan is that he will do it through us, through his church, through local churches like ours. And here's the thing called Jimmy Church, that literally means you. So each of you individually and all of us corporately, you are the people through whom God is going to do wonderful things. I'm really pleased to hear some amens. Because you know what most often happens is we go, if only there were a Christian man. If only that celebrity would come to Christ. If only this. If only, if only Boris Johnson would have a dramatic conversion. And you know that they're the prayers that I hear most often. God chose the things that are nothing to shame the things that are. And so you might feel as though you are not the person that that is needed to see Croydon transform. You are the person God has chosen that Croydon would be transformed through. God wants to work in your life. I saw uh, that there are a few things that have stuck in my mind this morning, come back to mind this morning as I've considered what I want to add and what I don't want to add. This is a silly one. This is just a tweet. Someone tweeted this week, and it stuck in my mind. I can't remember who it was. Forgive me. It's not my fault. They said, most Christians have chosen heaven over hell. Far fewer have chosen heaven over hell. <coughs> most Christians have chosen heaven over hell. Far fewer have chosen heaven over earth. Oh, yes. I know that's me at times. Help me, Lord, to live for you. 
This life is like a flower that flourishes and then one day is gone. We will be with him for eternity. Let's live our lives well. And so I want to end with the uh, words at the end of verse 5. O Jubilee, O Jubilee, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Jubilee, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. We will be a prophetic witness. We're going to do a prophetic act now. We, know, we see that in Scripture. Not all, not all prophecy is the same. John had a vision. Agabus tied Paul up with his own bell. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians that when we take communion, we proclaim Jesus' death until he comes. There is something prophetic about what we're going to do now. At the very least, it encourages all of us individually. But I think it also says something to the spiritual realm that we believe this is true. We believe this is important. We're going to live by it. We're going to do it. We believe Jesus is coming again. We're telling you that. By doing this thing, we're telling you well. We're telling the spiritual realms. We're encouraging you one another. Jesus is coming again. The mountain of the house of the Lord has and shall be established over all of them. Um, it's 12 o'clock. I would really love to take communion all together before you go up home, because you guys never get to take communion with us. So please, can I encourage you, if, if you see someone you don't uh, recognise, um, invite them to come and take communion with you. Um, this is something we do together as a family, so don't take communion on your own. Let's take communion together in small groups, I think probably most appropriately. Uh, otherwise, now we'll be just as chaotic as our coffee break in the middle of the service. But let's, can I encourage you, let's quickly, let's quickly come and get what we need to take communion together in some small groups, perhaps with life groups. As I say, look out for people who might be taking communion by themselves. And let's perform.